You're listening to Privy, the podcast for all things cybersecurity and privacy. Good day, listeners. Today, we'll be talking to Dr. Lori Craner. She is the director and Bosch Distinguished Professor in Security and Privacy Technologies at Scilab and the Forest Systems Professor of Computer Science and of Engineering and Public Policy at Carnegie Mellon University. She also directs the Scilab Usable Privacy and Security Laboratory and co-directs the MSIT Privacy Engineering Master's Program at CMU. In 2016, she served as Chief Technologist at the U.S. Federal Trade Commission, working in the office of Chairwoman Ramirez. She is also a co-founder of Wombat Security Technologies, a security awareness training company that was later acquired by Proofpoint. Thank you very much. Uh, today, listeners, we're going to be talking to Dr. Lori Craner, the director of Scilab at Carnegie Mellon University. Uh, you can hear me okay, right, Lori? Yep. yep. Okay, perfect. Perfect. Okay. So uh, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us which, a little bit about Scilab and um, what you do there. Sure. Uh, so uh, I direct Scilab at, at, at Carnegie Mellon, and Scilab is our university-wide security and privacy institute. So we have faculty from all across the university uh, in the places you would expect, like electrical and computer engineering and computer science. But we also have um, more interdisciplinary fact- faculty involved as well, for example, in our School of Public Policy. Uh, and so we coordinate um, the research and teaching efforts uh, across the university related to security and privacy. Oh, excellent. Okay. So I did a little bit of homework on Scilab and some pretty impressive stats here. You have 75,000 people trained in security and privacy, and you are five-time World Series of Hacking champions. That's the Plaid Parliament of Poning. Uh, that's an incredible achievement. It really speaks for itself. And then you have 100 dedicated faculty and 200 grad students. That's really a lot of resources dedicated to privacy and security. That's very impressive. Yeah, yeah. We we have a lot of people, and it's because we're university-wide and we pull people from lots of, lots of different areas. Um, so it's a really exciting place. Okay, very, very good. And I also did a little bit of homework, and it seems you co-founded Wombat. Yeah, yeah, that one of my other roles. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, so that that's our security awareness training company that uh, started out as as a research project, and um, we developed uh, awareness uh, security awareness training tools and. Uh, companies reached out to us; they wanted to license them, and so we started a company and. Ten years later, it was acquired by Proofpoint. Fantastic. Yeah, I've actually used one Wombat project, uh, product for several clients, FishGuru, and mm-hmm. uh, it was excellent. Very, very good tool. So I, we used it quite a few times, and we uh, really liked the tool. Uh, and obviously, as, as you might know, that Proofpoint is used at a lot of different companies now as well. So we use that uh, for a lot of my clients. So very Great. good. Congratulations. Thank uh, you. So one of the questions I wanted to ask you, because Scilab is dedicated, their mission is dedicated to protecting privacy and enhancing security, uh, do you think privacy should be treated as a fundamental human right, like a freedom of religion uh, or any other freedom? 
Yeah, I, I think it should be, um, you know, by by law in some countries it is um, in the in the United States. We we don't have that, um, you know, in our Constitution as a, as a fundamental right. But but I, I think uh, generally we should think of it that way. OK, yeah, there's there's a lot of debate over that. And obviously that debate isn't going to end. But, uh, but yeah, I, I would also agree that it should be treated as a fundamental human right. Uh now, what are some of the things that Scilab is doing in order to further their mission to, uh, I don't want to say greatest threat, but further the mission and address threats to privacy? What kind of privacy research do you do? Yeah, so um, we, we actually have a lot of things going on related to privacy here. Um, you'll see a lot of academic um, security and privacy groups focus a lot more on security than privacy. And, and we really do both. Um, so on the privacy side, um, the work that I'm involved in uh, focuses on uh, communicating about privacy to people and making it easier for people to actually exercise uh, control over their privacy settings. So we've developed um, the idea of a privacy nutrition label to communicate about privacy. Uh, we've been looking at how to make uh, privacy settings interfaces easier to use. We've developed um, personal privacy assistance so that we can reduce the burden on the user for having to go and manually configure everything. Uh, you can set up a personal assistant that, that will do, do this automatically for you. It uses machine learning. Um, most recently, we've been looking at, uh, in California, the, the CCPA um, has, uh, has a provision for having a um, do not sell my personal information button on websites. And okay. we asked the question, what is that button going to look like and how can we make that really useful for consumers? Um, and so we actually uh, did some research on that. We developed some designs. We tested them. We submitted them to the California Attorney General's office. Um, and uh, we, they've actually been, been uh, paying attention to, to our advice there. And we're continuing to work with them on this. Okay. Do you think that laws such as the CCPA will spread to other states? And then I know Massachusetts has a law and New York has a law. Uh, I haven't studied the specific comparisons between all of them, but do you think the United States eventually will uh, come up with a comprehensive privacy regulation? Yeah, so I think that um, as states are trying to each do their own, um, it's making companies very nervous. Uh, they don't want to have to try to figure out how to eventually comply with 50 different state laws in this space. Um, so I think uh, for many years, uh, businesses were kind of opposed to having a comprehensive privacy law. But when faced with the alternative of having 50 privacy laws, now having one overarching one is looking a lot better to companies. Um, so I think we are going to see more of a move in that direction. Okay. Yeah, they say that passing legislation is kind of like making sausage. It isn't pretty, uh, but it's, it's something that's necessary. So, okay. Yeah, because uh, CCPA is pretty strict. Would you say that it's uh, maybe not quite as strict as GDPR, but you do see something like GDPR being passed in the U.S. eventually? Yeah, so I don't know if it will be like GDPR or how close to GDPR it will be. 
um, my my fear is that um, you know it's going to require a lot of compromises, and that we may end up with something that is fairly watered down in order to get something that will pass. Um, yeah. The hope is that we can get something that has enough uh, teeth in it that we feel like you know this is actually protecting privacy and not just. Um, pushing aside state laws that might actually be stronger. Um, so there, there is this balancing act that, that uh, will have to happen. Okay. I've heard of some uh, open source projects that people are doing where uh, they can throw off uh, companies that try to be too invasive about privacy. Like they'll basically uh, have an agent on their computer and they will uh, surf to different websites. Like every minute they'll surf through all the Disney sites and things like that and just basically throw it off. And then they test it by going on Facebook and then they see Disney ads and then ads that the agent has surfed. So they are throwing it off. Have you heard of things like that? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, there are a bunch of different approaches, uh, that, um, a bunch of browser plugins and things like that that uh, that users can use to try to reduce the amount that they're tracked. Um, so this sort of obfuscation where where you're putting out fake traffic is is one approach. That's actually a pretty heavy-handed approach because you know you're generating all this you know really pointless traffic. Um, right. But but it can be effective. Um, another approach are uh, are plugins that basically are just uh, preventing cookies from being set on your computer. Uh, okay. So you know, every time you go to a website, it looks like you're a new user who hasn't been there before um, because the cookie hasn't been set. So there are a variety of different uh, approaches that um, that are out there. But but definitely there are options uh, for consumers who want to put in a little bit of extra effort to, to install some of these plugins. Okay. All right. And then one of the concerns I've heard about is IoT security. My fear is always that my refrigerator is going to conspire with the washing machine and and harm me in some way or invade my privacy in some way. It seems like the attack surfaces are really, really increasing because of IoT, and we just don't seem to have a handle on that. Uh, but it just seems to be barreling in that direction. So what, what do you think? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think it's a big problem. Um, and so we, we've been looking at how you educate consumers about this. And so we've gone and looked at um, the packaging and the information on the manufacturer's website for a number of popular IoT devices that people are buying. And there's really nothing about privacy and security available for most of these devices. Um, you know, we, we tried reading all the fine print and there's just so little information available to consumers. Um, and and then on top of that, we find that uh, some of these companies have really kind of omitted telling you things like, oh, our thermostat has a microphone in it. You know, <laughs> you wouldn't have thought. Right? Um, and, and so that that's really uh, a problem. There, there's also a lot of these devices that um, in their rush to market, they haven't really thought through security very well well. And so um, they do have security vulnerabilities. Um, so one of the things that we've been looking at in Scilab is could we have a label, you know, like a nutrition label that would talk about security and privacy for these devices. And so a consumer would have that information. Um, but per perhaps even more importantly, it would force the company to think about these things and actually disclose what they're doing um, and hopefully therefore improve 
what they're doing, once they have to actually put in writing uh, what their security and privacy practices are. Uh, so we've, we've developed um, a, a draft of what this would look like um, and have done some user testing. And you can take a look at iotsecurityprivacy.org. Okay. I'll definitely uh, lead our listeners to that. Um, okay. And the World Series of Hacking, going back to that, now that's a global competition, correct? Uh, yeah. And that's okay. at the um, DEF CON uh, conference. Okay. Any other interesting research you're doing at, at CMU related to uh, security and privacy? <laughs> Yeah, so there, there's lots of stuff uh, happening. Um, as I mentioned, my, my personal work is, is on the user side, but we have other faculty who are focused on more traditional areas of security okay. and privacy. Um, and uh, so, you know, we have, we have people who are looking at uh, cryptographic algorithms. We have uh, people that are that are looking at how we can have provably secure code. Um, we're looking at ways to use uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning to um, to predict attacks, to defend against attacks. Um, so lots of lots of really interesting work going on um, at Scilab. Uh, quite quite a wide range of of, uh, of areas and topics. Okay, on the subject of cryptography, now uh, there's a lot of different utilities. There is Proton Mail. I've seen so many different things, but they're a little bit unwieldy. Is CMU working on is Scilab working on something that's easier to use, easier to implement, and just very easy to adopt. Uh, um, so I, I actually don't know of anybody working on a, um, a secure email client at Scilab. Uh, it's possible. Like we have a lot of people. I don't know what everybody's doing. Right. Um, but that is definitely an important problem. And, um, you know, definitely some of our usability work, that's something we've looked at. Um, I actually teach a course called Usable Privacy and Security. And um, I've had students as part of their course projects look at some of these uh, secure uh, email systems and evaluate the usability. And yeah, they're, they're, they're pretty problematic. Okay. And, and now that many of us are working from home, uh, as you can see, how, due to COVID-19, due to the pandemic, what are some things that people should consider just be careful of in terms of security and privacy now that we have mostly a remote workforce? Most companies. Yes. <laughs> so um, I, I think that um, uh, you know, initially we, we had this big rush to set up our home offices and, you know, just, you know, do whatever we could to get things working. Um, and so I think um, uh, people may not have really thought too much about security and privacy. They just wanted stuff to work. Um, but now that, um, you know, we, we've had some time and uh, it looks like many of us will be here for quite a while at home, um, it is a good idea to, to you know, pay a little bit more t attention to this um, and, you know, looking at, uh, uh, you know, how are you connecting to your workplace? Uh, are you using VPNs? Um, make sure you have uh, good passwords, two-factor authentication, um, you, you know, things like that. Uh, also, there, there's just the issue of, um, 
of privacy, you know, in your, your workspace, uh, you know, those of us who are on these video calls most of the day, um, okay. there may be other family members who, who are walking in, uh, to our calls. There may be, you know, things in our environment, um, that we may not necessarily want, you know, the public to, to see. And, <laughs> right. yeah. and so, you know, just taking a, a, a little bit of time to, to think through all of that um, uh, is something that, you know, a lot of people are, are starting to do. Okay. All right. Very good. That, that's some of the things that I've seen as well. Remote access is a, is a big issue. A lot of our clients are, are talking about that. We're doing a lot more penetration tests. People want to make sure that now that they have a mostly remote workforce, uh, that they're doing penetration tests and then phishing tests as well, uh, because people aren't talking to each other. So there's more uh, possibility for fraud, uh, business email compromise, things like that. Uh, so we are doing a lot more phishing tests and, and other types of tests, other types of assessments. So, uh, okay, very interesting. Yeah, I, I think the the attackers are really trying to uh, exploit uh, this and and there's just been a, a big proliferation of scams um, that, that they're trying to do. Okay, yeah, that's true. That's exactly what I've seen as well. Uh, okay, well, very good. Thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate it. Uh, taking the time on and accepting our invitation on such a short notice. Uh, hope uh, you do well, and thank you very much for sharing what Scilab does. You do some amazing work. Uh, wishing you the best. Hopefully I can take a class at Scilab sometime. I'd like to do that. Uh, and uh, wishing you safety and health. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Definitely you know, check out our website, and we have opportunities for, for companies who want to partner with us. Excellent. I will look at that. Thank you. All right. Have a good day. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye.